you uh, lovingly sent me earlier this year on a mission exposure trip and I, I used to live and work overseas but actually I haven't travelled very much in the last 15 years and so when I went to the international airport this time there was something that really um, kind of perplexed me and surprised me that didn't used to be there and what it was was there was lots of people in the airports um, taking selfies um, I, was, I was really amazed like just at the number of people that were sitting in the airport with their cameras holding holding them out like that and um, I it got me thinking about selfies and um, and I guess the majority of it ends up on social media, on Instagram or Facebook or wherever it goes. But people all around the world um, have uh, got their cameras turned on themselves, um, turned on me. Many people have said that um, our society today uh, does that, that we that we've actually got a big focus on on me and we're asking everyone, please look at me, please admire me, please look at my life and, and know that my life is really significant and um, please look at me and know that um, I should be admired. Do you know the passage that we're looking at today? It's... Um, it's really amazing how it turns our whole cultural narrative in that respect totally upside down. It's actually a song. In many of the um, what we call epistles, their letters in the Bible, whether it be 1 Corinthians or whether it be Romans that we're looking at today or whether it be Ephesians or Colossians, the way they're organised is that often there's right at the beginning of the letter, uh, the writer of the epistle puts a lot of inf- like amazing truths about God and about salvation and about human beings and about what we call doctrine, teaching. is amazingly packed full of all these riches. And then at some point in the letter, um, it switches and it starts to talk about how that should flow out into everyday living, about how we should live in families or how you should live at work or how we should live in community. But, and, and often that's how these letters are written. And right now in Romans chapter 11... We're right on that hinge point, right on that hinge. In Romans chapter 12, it's going to talk about how we should live. But up till now, in 11 chapters of Romans, um, Paul has been talking about incredible, like incredible things that God has done and that that is available to us in Christ. So he's talked about how... Us as as broken human beings, how could we ever, ever get restored back to the living God? He's talked about how God sent his son and he died on a cross 
and rose again in tremendous power. And now anyone that believes in him is united to Christ in his death and also united to Christ in his resurrection. Now that is incredible. Not only so, he talks about how we are no longer people that live under the law and the weight of the law. We're people that live in the spirit. Can you imagine that? Living in the spirit. Living in the spirit. And not only so, he talks about how God's plans are to incorporate all people into a new community. And so now, after 11 chapters of of all that God has done, Paul actually bursts into song. And that's what Romans 11, 33 to 36 is. It's... It's a song. He actually, do you know you know that, that the truths, this is a, 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 something that could give you a hint, um, that the truths are, when the truths of God move from your head to your heart so that all of a sudden you're full of praise, something is at work. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Some people have said the biggest distance in the world is the 18 inches between your head and your heart. Um, Because we can know heaps and heaps and heaps of things. But when all of a sudden we are filled with praise and saying, Lord, wow, then that's an indication that God is powerfully at work. This is how this passage begins oh the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of god do you know a lifetime ago i used to work as a scientist um, and i was in universities and doing experiments and those sort of things and when i'd write scientific papers i would never ever use the word oh never (laughs) It was not. I would tell you that this is the methodology and this is how the experiment was done and this is the outcomes and these are the conclusions and this is the implication, but I would never say, oh, never would I write that in. What is happening here is this is something that is not just facts anymore. This is praise. This is, ooh. <laughs> this is praise. This is uh, worship. This is adoration. This is something has happened. And, and Paul is bursting into song. When I see a magnificent tree, what I say is, wow. What does that word mean? Well, it kind of doesn't mean anything. It's, it's when you see a beautiful car driving down the street or when you see a, I don't know what you see, that, what, you go, wow. And it, what it is, it's an expression of awe. It's your emotions are suddenly engaged, <laughs> that you are delighting. And at this point, Paul is, is just overflowing. <laughs> Oh, the depths, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. He's talking about something. He has seen so much of what God has done. Do you know when you got, I think of the ocean, and the ocean you see on the surface and you see the, the, the ships 
going along and you see this happening on the surface. But, but the depths, what's happening underneath is so, so deep. There is a world under there. There is a marine world that are happening in the... And, and it goes deep and you can't see it. It's kind of hidden. But when you, as if, you are, if it's revealed to you, you say, wow, that is amazing. And Paul is saying, now that we see all that God has done, we live our lives often on the surface, just on the surface. Oh, we've got this job to do and we've got this and and we need to take that undertaking. But Paul is saying, listen, there is a depth of revelation of truth, of what God is doing, and it should cause us to thrill. Oh, the depths, over the depth of the riches do you know that word riches um, is used in different ways in the Bible? For example, in Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about that God is rich in mercy. And in Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about the riches of his grace. And in Romans chapter 9, it talks about the riches of his glory. And in Romans chapter 2, it talks about the riches of his kindness. But notice each time it's talking about God's riches, it's talking about how it's flowing to us. <laughs> it's just flowing out of his bounty. and It's like he's got this amazing treasure chest of riches and they're flowing to people. God is giving to us out of his riches and Paul is amazed. Oh, the depth of the riches. Of the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. When you think about knowledge, knowledge is all about facts. So God has got incredible knowledge. He knows every star in every distant galaxy. He knows every single microorganism and every species of microorganism under every leaf in the Amazon jungle. He knows every electron that's flowing around every proton and every nucleus of every atom in all the universe for all eternity and he's not even trying. That's God. That's God. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge. But what about, that's knowledge, what about wisdom? Listen to the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. For the message, verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it's the power of God. What, 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 what this is saying is that there is There is a wisdom. There is a wisdom in God in sending his son to die on the cross. And, and people look on and they, they, they think, how foolish. <laughs> the God of the universe coming down, living as a human being and then dying on the cross. How laughable, just how absolutely foolish. And Paul is saying, Oh, if only you know, knew the depths of the riches of the wisdom of God. Because what God is doing in tremendous wisdom is something that we could never, ever have dreamt up. I remember C.S. Lewis, who was a very smart man. He was a professor of medieval and Renaissance literature at Cambridge University. 
And he was an atheist and he came to believe in Jesus. And he said one of the reasons he came to believe in Jesus was that no one could have ever, ever have dreamt this up. No human being could have ever dreamt up this plan to bring back human beings back into the, pan, the, the, the fold of God. Who would have even dreamt of it? That God would send his son and live in a flesh and die a horrible, horrible death and then rise in power to sweep people back into his kingdom. You could not have even dreamt that up. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. I've been listening recently to some people on, actually on the internet who are so incredibly smart. They awe me with their intellectual ability. Just their recall and the capacious brains that they have that they can just remember and articulate so much and so clearly And yet, has there ever been any wisdom like this wisdom? That God would send his own son, foolishness to the world, die on a cross and rise again for our salvation. Not only the depth of the wisdom, but it's unsearchable. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths are beyond tracing out. I was saying this morning that sometimes on the farm I see a little trail through the grass and a little hole in the fence and I know that that's the route that the, the fox takes every night. You see the little trail. You can just see that you can trace his paths. But for God, Paul is saying you just can't even trace his paths. Where he's going He's like the wind. The wind comes from this direction. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going. You cannot trace its path. And, God, and Paul is saying, oh, you just God is just unfathomable, unsearchable. And he asks us two questions. Two questions, and here they are. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? And who has ever given to God... That, he should, that God should repay them. So I've got a question for you here this morning. Would you please put up your hand if you have known the mind of God? Now, in a sense, the Bible does provide us an avenue to know God's mind. He gives us the Bible and, and we're seeking God and we're seeking his direction and we can... But this is... This is now the question. Who has known the mind of God so that you can be his counsellor? Any hands up? <laughs> because what, what Paul is saying, no one, God, God's mind, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, and God is so much, so much greater. The... The HSC students are sitting for their exams. I think chemistry tomorrow morning. Now you, mem- you imagine um, the pet dog coming up beside the student and they're studying at the desk. Um, what does that dog know about organic ke- chemistry? <laughs> like very, I was going to say very little. <laughs> Less than very little. Like nothing. 
And, and then the ant crawling across the page knows nothing about organic chemistry. And, and, and where God's mind is way... way he, he's the creator, and we're the creatures. We are the creatures. Who has ever known the mind of God, the, the Lord, or is, who has been his counsellor? And the second question is, who has ever given to God that God should repay them? Do you know, has anyone here ever given to God so that now God is in your debt? He owes you. <laughs> he owes you now. Some people think like this. They think, okay, if I um, go to church and if I read my Bible this morning, then God's in my debt. He owes me. I've got to be blessed today. He, he, I, he's in my debt And God, if you do not um, do what I say that you should do, then I'm leaving you because you've broken this, this. That's crazy talk. Who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? We are not in a position to bargain or negotiate with God. We come to him as those that are empty and naked and in total need and say, Lord, we're in your debt. We're looking to your provision. If we start thinking that we will counsel God and tell him, Lord, this is how you should run your universe. I'm not happy with how you're running your universe. And we will tell you, we'll advise you, we'll teach you a few things. Then we are putting him off his throne. If we think that he should pay us and that he's in our debt, then we're, putting him, we're climbing on the throne of the universe. And Paul is saying, we are the recipients. We are the receivers of both counsel and of riches from God's hand. For from him and through him and for him are all things. Now just think for a minute. We're in a selfie culture. It's all about us. It's all about me. Look at me. Don't you see I'm important? Don't you see on my Facebook page or wherever it is or on my pulpit or wherever I am, don't you see that I should be admired? But this just totally, totally, totally undercuts that. For from him and through him and for him, are all things. If you ask the question, where did all things come from? From him. If you ask, how did all things come into existence? Through him. And if you ask, why do all things exist? For him. From him and through him and for him. And so I'm just encouraging us. I reckon this will be a load. This is a, such a load off my shoulders when I've got my eyes on God. It's such a load. Do you know if I come up here to preach and I'm thinking, oh, I hope they'll like it and I hope they'll think I'm a good preacher and I hope, do you see that the eyes are all on me? That sort of talking. And, and, but what a relief when my eyes are off me and my eyes are on God. If you're a school kid and you're always thinking, and 
I mean, I've been a school kid and I know what it's like. You're caring so much about what people think and what are their assessments of you. What a freedom. I don't know whether I'm to blame for that, but (laughs) what a freedom. Um, What a freedom when, when all of a sudden my eyes or your eyes are on the God of the universe whose riches are coming to me, whose blessings are coming to me. And I don't care anymore about focusing on myself and but I've just got my eyes on God that's a liberty that's a strength that's a hope I um, was thinking of um, there's a show on television called Grand Designs and I've sort of seen it I think it must have been around for years because sometimes I've seen it happening on the telly and um, and I was thinking that often I don't know that I've ever seen a program all the way through, but I think that what happens that someone comes up with this design of a uh, amazing house that they're going to um, build, and then you follow it all the way through and all their efforts, and then often it gets to the end when they're in the house and they're sort of really enjoying the house. And I was thinking it's kind of that house is from. Often it seems to be a couple or whatever. It's from them. They've, it's their idea. They've dreamt it all up. And it's through them because they've sort of built this thing and they've, you know, you're following it all the way through and they're building it, all the efforts and it's for them because you see at the end that there they are relaxing uh, in the heart. Now, that's, I mean, I don't want to, that's okay. But, but do you see, the universe is from God. It's from him. It's his idea. It's through him. He is purposing. He is acting. He is the one. And it's for him. It is for his glory. And that's how this ends. To him be the glory forever. To him be the glory forever. Do you know that your life, this might come as a shock, your life is to be lived gladly for the glory of of God for his glory your life every element of your life whether you're eating whether you're drinking whether you're working whether you're sleeping every element of our lives is for his glory because he's given us riches tremendous riches Us as a church, do you know why we exist? It's for his glory and for his honour forever. We're not just talking about tomorrow. We're talking about all eternity. So I want to encourage you this morning um, with your time, with your words, with your wealth, and your money, with your studies, with your relationships, with whatever they are, if you're a believer, you are someone that is uh, taking each one of those elements and saying, Lord, this is for your glory. And do you know what will happen? 
That'll give you joy. Great, great joy. Let me pray. Your Father, um, we're all inclined to turn the camera on ourselves. When we look at a photograph we from ages ago, we tend to find ourselves in that photograph. First thing we want to do, we're inclined to be self-focused. And uh, I'm asking with my brothers and sisters here this morning, Lord, that we would be people for whom uh, your glory, your riches and your goodness captures our heart so that to you would be glory forever and ever. Amen.